0: you are listening to talking home renovations with a house maven is it time to renovate your house but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing this is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like i do i am your host catherine mcphail I am an architect. I practice in eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations, learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. In this episode, I was speaking with Fred Gutierrez. Fred's an architect and a builder with 25 years of experience who is now working with homeowners as an owner's representative or owner's rep. So, I first heard of Fred through my friend Jenny. You may remember her from episode 64. She had worked with him as a contractor on her renovation of her California ranch. He has a podcast called Homeowners Institute, in which he talks to owners and industry professionals about strategies for success in home builds and renovations. I hope you get as much as I did out of this conversation. Fred, thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Being on the show. Yeah, it's great. I'm, to be um, here. I'm looking forward to talking to you. You have a podcast, um, is, it's Homeowners Institute, and it's pretty similar to this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we have similar yeah. interests in trying to create a generous uh, industry that's, uh, you know, trying to do better work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you have a slightly different, I don't know how to put it, you have a slightly different role than I do. Like you were a contractor, you're an architect, but you have... So I'll science.
1: give you my short background story. As I studied architecture, I thought that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an architect. When I got into that, I realized that it was too heady and I really liked making things. So I got attracted to being a builder. And as a builder, I kind of flourished because I had that architect's mind and I knew where the architect really wanted something, even though they didn't really say it. I knew that I had to ask the question. So I was kind of mm. doing two roles but then I was as most architects and builders that you know good ones you know you're looking out for the owner and you're seeing there was a heyday where it was like in the mid 2000s in Boston they were just building wild and I just saw a lot of inefficiencies and I felt the owners were kind of at the kind of a victim a little bit for certain reasons and they were just um The architects and builders were working well together, but they weren't working well on behalf of the owner. So I shifted at some point in 2008 and started an owner's representation company, helping owners uh, manage large projects, residential projects. And, you know, with the idea that, you know, you don't have to beat your professionals. You have to um, work with them by identifying what the real goals are. And then set up a strategy for communication in which everybody can do their best job, their best work efficiently. So I do that mm-hmm. for for big clients, um, you know, millionaire billionaires, um, great clients that that want to do good work. They're not looking to take advantage of people, but they want to be respected um in in, in ways that they respect others. So I I help facilitate that. But I realized that I want to reach a larger audience, so. I started this podcast and I'm really willing to put that other work on hold and kind of, you know, lean into this conversation of how we as an industry can work better together. So the podcast started out mm-hmm. as focusing solely for owners on how to share best practices for being a good leader. And that's something I talk about as owner's leadership skills and what that means when they're not the expert. But I think it falls into architects and builders also being open to being led and then also leading their teams and their responsibilities clearly and then letting go of the things that other people need to be doing. That's hmm. a lot. Well, it's
0: interesting. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that is a lot. So how, how do homeowners lead projects when they're not the experts in construction?
1: Well, I like to say I help owners find architects and builders that share their values. Mm. So the bigger question is, what are the values that you want to share with your architect and builders? That is a question. And I think that's kind of the lesson that owners need to face before they get too deep into a project about what does it mean to, to do the project, both physically and emotionally. I think mm. they often miss the emotional side and what it, would it kind of the the status building or the um, recognition that they're painting a story of this experience and it's going to be uh, edified in, in, in a house, but really it's a two to three year um, commitment by them and their family and everybody that sees them in terms of how they interact with the community. And, um, and I think it can be really rewarding for those that embrace that and see that as as a community that they're working with. But if it becomes something that they're afraid of, and this often happens, it's really sad, um, when fear starts to act, people put up fences and they just get very unwilling to share what's important for them.
0: Right, so when you're talking about the community, you're talking about the community of teams that have come together to make their project a reality, right?
1: Yeah, the, well, the community is very, very large. I mean, you know, when somebody's building, you know, there's all kinds of projects, but I, I, I tend to, well, any project, any project works, but even the smallest projects, there's a community that involves an architect, a builder, and within each, each of those, there's usually a team of people under them that are helping them. And s- certainly with the builder, there's multiple subcontractors, multiple vendors, and all of those people have families, and this house is in the middle of a community that's got neighbors. True. Um, and this this action can be very, it can be very positive or it can be very negative, mm. um, on many levels. Mm. And I think it can be a very altruistic and 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 um, generous. You know, I think I think a lot of owners struggle with how they're perceived as somebody that's spending a lot of money. Yeah. And that you know they get very shy about divulging any details. And that's why it's hard to get owners to talk about their past experiences because it's it's sometimes you know thought of as um consumptive or you know privileged
0: wasteful or something. But
1: really it's really it's an investment into a community and I think they should be proud of it. I mean, I think you know, the trades are, a lot of people in the trades, um, you know, chose the trades because they really like to make things and they're talented at it. And they didn't go, you know, to, you know, ma- they didn't get a master's degree and some of them didn't get a bachelor's degree, but they've really vested their life in making things. And there's a lot of value to what they do. And, you know, by building that, that's, that's where a lot of people learn too. So there's an investment and the trades learning while they're doing it. And this goes to the profession as well as architecture. There's a lot of interns that are learning on the, you know, when they show up with the walk a job site for the first time a, a young architect, you know, if the tone on the job site is that, is that of generosity in terms of helping each other, they're going to learn a lot more than if the tone is, you know, I got to make sure this builder is doing it right. Mm. And I really don't know what right is. So I'm just going to kind of hold my cards close right so it's building that that openness of sharing information that can be very generous for for the owner and I think it, it you know finding the right architect and builder to participate in that is where you can really hit a home run
0: so can you give an example of values that you would share with that an owner a homeowner would share with the architect or contractor like what types of values are you talking about
1: well values is a large it's like the genre of what's important. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people fall into the three pillars of success for build for projects, which are time uh quality and money and they I think a lot of people say well that that's those are the only measures of success for projects and then you know the 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 seasoned professional will say, well you, you can pick two or you can pick one, but you can't have all of them because they oppose each other. And I'm kind of tired of hearing that because it's it's obvious those are all important. Um, they do have a hierarchy, and I think it's the hierarchy that's important to recognize which ones are important over others, mm. and when to um, when to look back and see how to make decisions. So you know, a good owner that I worked for once, he wanted, he was clear, he wanted to build a very sustainable home. And he understood that at the time, this was in the early 2000s, before the lead program, you know, we were actually a pilot program for it. He understood that his investment was not going to pay off directly in terms of him getting, you know, the return on investment in energy savings. But his investment would be in building a community that, that sees this as a value.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was very... Um, it was very generous of him. I mean, he probably spent easily thirty percent more than somebody that didn't set that as a as a value. Um, but it allowed him to find a builder that and and share with that that this is how I want the project to run. i want I want I want it to be sustainable and working with that parameters, but not he didn't just give us carte blanche be sustainable he He gave us the the priorities of 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 information. He says, I want it sustainable. I need it in one year.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And money becomes third. And and I didn't mean that he had all the money in the world,
0: mm-hmm. but he meant
1: that those were the priorities. So when you came to him, it's got to be sustainable first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Second, it's got to meet into that schedule criteria. So don't suggest something something to me that you know is still in a beta form and it's going to take another three years before I get it. Yeah. You know, if that's really important to you, we can do the infrastructure now and be ready for it. And don't suggest um, a tile that I can't get for six months. So it became very regional mm. in terms of finding sources that are close. And that kind of fed into, right. that, goes into that, that mantra. So that I see that as a value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to kind of jump on those. I'm trying to su- find more values that, that are that are big enough to run projects on. Mm. But, you know, that is one. And I think... I think building science is another, um, it's kind of a a spin on that, but I think there's also, you know, values in terms of how you treat people and how you want to be treated Mm -hmm. that, um, it's hard to say that, that, you know, you know, you don't want to start talking politics or, or, you know, but you want to, you want to, you want to be clear about what scares you and what makes you happy. Hmm. And I think that's hard for people to do when they're first meeting each other.
0: True. That does seem kind of a vulnerable
1: topic. It, it, it's, it's very vulnerable, but it, it allows people to understand where you're coming from and how, you know, what what's really not going to be successful.
0: I'm writing this down, Fred, because this is really good advice. So <laughs> hope everyone else is taking notes. Um, so is that what you mean when you talk about the real goals of a project? Like that would be that the values yeah, make yeah, the goals. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you think about contracts and you know, it's kind of this unwritten contract. It's the pre-contract. Because the you know, I was on a clubhouse call with an attorney that did contracts and and I think I might have been on the panel. And we were talking and I said, you know, I'll be honest, I've done very few contracts in my life and she was just appalled and I'm kind of appalled thinking back at it as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why I've never been they've never bit me is because I did have an unwritten contract of promises that I made with, with my clients that, that I kept. And when you go to a formal contract, there's the, the clauses just jump you right into the worst case scenarios. True. Um, And you're trying to say, well, how am I going to protect myself from this worst case scenario? When before you get to that, you really should say, how am I going to, reveal to them what the best case scenario is what 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 is what is a home run versus what is a a single and a double and how can you how can you show up for that and it can be something as simple as you know when you're working in somebody's house um you know if you're not going to show you know tell me the day before that's a big that doesn't show up in the contract but that can that can be a game changer in terms of Mm. trusting somebody it can be like and it can be something 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 I don't say it's silly, but something that's silly is like I prefer you not to smoke anywhere near the project. Right. Um it, it's it, those are little things that go a really long way.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I and, there was this contractor I used on a few early projects and he had these roofers who always swore and spat off the roof. So mm-hmm, when I go visit mm-hmm. the site they would be swearing and spitting and I feel like for me that wasn't acceptable. That was that was creating right, kind right. of a Right. And not a comfortable right. atmosphere. Right.
1: I mean, the other challenge for owners is, and I guess this goes for architects and builders too, but it's the the consistency showing up and being available even when it's not visibly or critically necessary because you're participating in this community event.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and, 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 and being open to, to knowing the people that are on the project.
0: So how do you fit into this, into the community, you know, as a, it was what you do. Cause I, on the projects where you're acting as a, an owner's rep, there would also be an architect and a contractor. So, yeah. and then there's the yeah, homeowner so, who's leading it.
1: Yeah. So the full, so the full, I and mean, that's why I'm doing the podcast is I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to find out how to help people, um on the inside of a project on the very beginning of a project to help help with that contract that that pre-contract alignment of values so that people can say these are my con- these are these are home runs for me these are singles and these are outs and cr- figure out what the value structure is and the goal structure and then and then step away um, as an owner's rep i become and these are the larger projects where owners have valued their time investment over, over the cost of of, of, of hiring me. Mm-hmm. And I become a surrogate owner. So I show up for the owner and I have a relationship with the owner and I allow them to connect where they're most leveraged and satisfied with, where where they, they need to be important. Mm-hmm. But I allow the team to do their work the most efficiently, efficiently, the most efficient. <laughs> so, I I don't you know I I become kind of a kind of the grease on the wheel to just keep things moving mm. where where sometimes architects and builders have a professional etiquette where they don't want to step they don't feel it's really the owner's responsibility to to pose the question is this necessary mm-hmm. um, and that's 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 what I do I mean I I'm um, I'm a professional owner in those those responsibilities mm. anybody. Living today, most families are two, you know, two working parents and a couple kids, and to fit in a renovation project or a new construction project is impossible.
0: It's true; it does take a lot of time.
1: So you do need to figure out a structure and where you can invest the time necessary to build a strong team that's going to represent you, and not and you're not going to have to micromanage. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you're carte blanche giving them responsibility to solve all the all the questions. That haven't been posed. It means you've found them because you see them as the right solution for your problem. And I think that's where I kind of have a little bit of beef with some architects and builders that are a little willing to do any project. And I understand, you know, the economy of, or kind of the cycle of business and also the, the kind of the, the excitement of new projects and new, and new programs. But it really shouldn't be at the expense of an owner's investment. I think specialization in architecture and construction is is needed to some extent, so that people can say this is they're, they're a good fit for me. I they make decisions that I like, and I don't need to question them. Um, if you're going into, if you're asking somebody to, you know, if you're asking a classical architect to do a modern house, uh, it's it's going to be inefficient, and and you're going to have to time. You're going have you're going to have to have a relationship with them that's stronger than the success of the project, because you're going to spend a lot more time and money with them to get what you want. Mm. Um, than if you find somebody and say, well, they do modern architecture the way I like it, they're going to be able to lead me in terms of making the right decisions.
0: That's true. So do you help owners find the team members, like find the architect and find the contractors that match their values? Okay.
1: That's what I I like to do. Yeah. We had a, um, we had a client in New York that was building a house in Texas and they, it was a, it was a big house and their neighbor was building a monster house. They actually knew each other and they're like, well, we need to find a builder. Can can we just use that builder? And I said, well, we can entertain that, but let's, let's put out an RFP to a couple of builders down there and see how they feel about your goals and your agenda. Mm-hmm. And this client wanted, you know, again, this client wanted sh- schedule and they wanted, um, sustainability and that other builder um, probably could do schedule but they couldn't do the sustainability in the same way as some other builders mm-hmm. could so we attracted a young builder there that that it that really really hit a home run because they brought an expertise to it that that both the architect and the owner didn't have so they were able to lead that that leg of the stool
0: so Sustainability is something I'm interested in also, but I do find that the contractors Mm -hmm. that typically work on my projects are not comfortable or not all that experienced with sustainable type projects. Mm -hmm. So how would somebody differentiate a contractor who is interested in sustainability versus one who is um, not comfortable with?
1: Well, I think in, I mean, in new England, um, you know, there's, I guess a quick Google search will will find some passive houses and some sustainable houses that have been built. And then recently, mm-hmm. I would go to those, those builders as, as possibilities. Uh, I would also go to um, some architects that, that do that. Even if it's not your architect, you know, the community wants, wants that, that idea to, to flourish. So I think they'll share builders that are, are invested in that. Mm-hmm. And then also go to, um, you know, there's Joe Stiebrick, um Building Science here, and, and I'm sure he, he runs um, a couple programs. So that's another thing is you can invest in your builder if you have the time. Um, I had a project where, um, you know, the, the, the owner was mildly interested, so I took him to the two-day building science seminar um, with me so that he could get engaged in those conversations and find out what's really valuable to him. It's a great idea so um it was an investment i think those investments before the project starts really have a long tail payoff
0: yeah
1: you know i've done um lean um i don't know if you're familiar with lean construction i haven't heard of it it.
0: lean well
1: lean, lean lean is uh came out of came out of um the military and out of uh toyota in terms of um you know some of the ideas are, um, just in time, um, delivery methods, you know, it's, it's trying to cut out the waste in projects. But, um, what I found, I I did a lot of lean training, you know, maybe 20 years ago. And the biggest thing I got out of it was the idea of pole planning. So as a builder or as an architect or anybody that's managing a project, you run with schedules and often it's the, um, the experience of an individual that says, well, this happens first, this happens second, this happens third. And that's, that's good conceptually, but when you really get into trying to, to solve problems and create, create enrollment and commitment into problem solving and actually getting real um, schedule commitments, you have to you have to ask the people that are doing the work, what they need in order to start the project, and what it means to be finished with the project so you create this relationship from the the, sh- the sheetrock installer with the framer and with the electrician and he says oh well, I can sheetrock this room if the electrical is done and if the framing is done a certain way so he's made this promise and the the, the electrician and the framer see well, you know, my good work not only benefits me, you know, in terms of making money, but it's going to help the next person be successful in their job. And together we can serve, you know, the owner who's the GC, and they can serve the owner who's the owner. And it can be very successful, where if it just becomes this push down a hill, people aren't communicating why it's important to to do the work they do. And then you can reveal a lot of problems that may not have been seen by that one individual, and really leverage the people that can solve the problems to solve the problems. Like I could, you know, you could find a a framer says, well, I can, well, or you can find a sheetrocker and say, well, you know, I could sheetrock this, but this is not going to allow me to do it. But you know, in order to help the project, I'll sheetrock to a certain point, and it's not going to be that hard for me to come back and do this area out of sequence.
0: Hmm.
1: I think it's just a matter of getting out there and being generous with people and, mm-hmm. and sharing those systems. So I've, I've, I've done those lean schedules with many projects <laughs> and those people pick up that, that method of scheduling going forward.
0: We have to look that up. That's really interesting. Um,
1: and I've done it, I've done it for pre-construction too. So if you're just working with the construction team or, or the design team, you know, what does it take for the landscape, architect to start their work and stop their work. You know, they're going to need a survey. Mm -hmm. They're going to need, you know, they're going to need certain things and it's, you know, you need to apply time to that and see where that all fits out so that everybody can feel comfortable knowing where they fit in this, in this
0: equation. Hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. So when you say there are other people like you, are there other is there a group of like? A, do you have an organization? <laughs> well, Is there somewhere that well, people can no. find? Well, no. I you mean, like I'd you? like to
1: start an organization. Um, well, there's owners' reps are very common in 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 commercial, institutional, yeah. and commercial work. And there's a reason for it. It's because those those companies and institutions realize that you need to invest a lot of time and resources to have a successful project, and you need to invest in relationships mm. to do that too residential owners on their first project it's it's a very challenging thing to do so I think you know I'm hoping that my podcast will start you know giving some comfort to owners to say well I'm not the only one that's done this and now I can see how people have done it successfully Mm. Um, there are residential owners reps out there I can't say how they are, but some of the ones that I've experienced and they might be right for some customers or clients have a different perspective in terms of what their role is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's more accounting and more liability management rather than, rather than team building. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to say that in a silly way, but, but building a team that, that, that understands what the common goal of success is. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it would seem to make sense that you would pick an um, owner's rep that is interested in what it is you value the most. Yeah, so if you're yeah. sustainability, having someone with knowledge of that would make make sense, for example.
1: Isn't there a joke about how many architects it takes to...
0: Probably. How many does it take? I don't know. <laughs> we have to talk about it for a long time first. Maybe oh, that's, that's another
1: it. thing I wanted to talk about is stereotype.
0: Yeah. See, I'm wearing green, so that's you know. Yeah. I have a little bit. Of, I'm mostly black. Yeah. But yeah.
1: I I stopped wearing black when I when I when I quit the profession. <laughs> yeah. But, um,
0: well.
1: The stereotypes are are a huge um problem and, and but they 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 hint on um kind of the solutions to things. I think people uh, you know there's stereotypes for builders and architects and I don't even say what they are, but if you think about them. Um, those things get, get embedded into our conscience and, um, it's, it's a hard thing to show up to a project with those stereotypes in in your head. But what I like to, you know, the two things that I, the most general things that I like to say about architects, builders, and owners is they all want to be successful, but there's always fears that they have. Mm. And for a builder, their fear is information and time. If they don't have information and time, it's hard for them to be successful.
0: Hmm. That is true. I hadn't thought of it that way. Arch-
1: architects need time and some information to react to. So they're kind of in in opposition in some cases. And you know, find this a lot of, a lot of times as you've done the rough framing, the architects walking around, and they're like, wow, I never saw it this way. Maybe we can make a change. And it's not wrong to to think that and to actually act on that, but you need to understand the the position that puts the builder in. In terms of them being successful,
0: because it takes more time, having that
1: conversation so that they can say, "Okay, this is important. I'm going to adjust to that. I understand. You understand that this is meaningful to me." Mm. But it's also the good builder to say, "Look, I can see that." that you need some time on this. I'm willing to give that to you as long as you recognize. So it's, it's understanding those fears mm. that allows people to be generous to each other and thoughtful to each other.
0: Interesting. Cause you're both concerned with time, but kind of coming from opposite ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what are the fears of the homeowner?
1: I think it's, I think it's, I think it's predictability. I think, I think that's the, the, that's the one thing I'm, I'm really trying to figure out is cost certainty. Mm. And I don't know if I'll ever find it out, but I think that needs to be respected by the team in that hierarchy of values in terms of giving owners some predictability. And I think that's where the lean, where the, where the poll plan can help um, at least with schedule, so that people can kind of understand a real schedule, um, one that's actually a tool for for solving problems, but there needs to be also respect in terms of when you're proposing solutions to owners to give them a good perspective on what a predictability of cost
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think only I think good builders can do that, but they need to be supported by the architect and understood by the owner that they're going to help put a budget on something that they can't be tied to, but it's important for that, that builder or project manager to say this, this change or this alteration is, you know, on the spot before, before you do new drawings or before the owner like thinks this is going to happen and it's not going to cost anything. Say, you know, that's probably going to extend the schedule two weeks and it's probably $10,000. That's a hard thing for a young project manager and a construction company to do that's why the owners have to be there to do it and i am seeing that a little bit too much now is is the is the and it's good thing but but you know construction companies and architects start businesses they hire young professionals they're coming up it's releasing that um responsibility and that um authority to be the new person or showing up yourself for that Mm. Um, So it's those transitions of businesses that I think sometimes get in the way because, you know, the owner of a business can sell a project really easily. Yeah. But when they don't show up for three months, you feel the owner feels like they're not getting what they purchased. The
0: homeowner feels like they're not getting.
1: So so you need to set up, you need to set up that relationship with the people that are going to show
0: up. Mm. Yeah, that makes, I have, I have encountered that where they feel like they were sold the project by one person and then Mm -hmm. just a completely different team of people are actually the ones yeah. that are on the project, which yeah. isn't always great. It's
1: hard to keep attention on a project. People are very stretched, very thin. I think, you know, I think people are opposed to regular meetings, but I think they're so important. I do too. But I think the meetings need to have some structure with them, to them, so that you can just, you can go into them um, knowing that it's not just gonna be crisis mode, and it's gonna be some some planning and some celebration. Mm-hmm. Of the successes that have happened to, so far,
0: yeah, that makes total sense. So, how can people get in touch with you or learn more from you? I mean, I, I assume that's through the podcast.
1: Yeah, my podcast is Homeowners Institute, and um, I would love it if people are interested to, to reach out to me, and we'll we'll do an interview and get it up there. I have a company called Shepherd PMC. It's got a website. Just Google Shepherd with with an E, PMC, and you'll find me there.
0: Well, thanks, Fred. I mean, you know what? Honestly, your podcast is the only podcast that I can think of right now that I actually take notes while I'm listening. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> it, it is very interesting. So I learn. I learn a lot every time I I listen to your you and your guests. So good job. Thanks so that. much. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven@talkinghomerenovations.com. at I love to hear from people. You could also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who... I've also been on the show have been guests on the show and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on clubhouse, come join me 10 AM Eastern Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is talkinghomerenovations.com. head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. If you want to be a guest. That's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at GableMedia.com. That's G A B L M E D I A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.